Thank you all very, very much. Uh, we love you more than words can describe. We love you! Thank you. I want to mention uh, that to those who are watching or listening off-site, this is a unique Sunday. Uh, it's been a long time since one like this has happened <laughs> for us at New Life. But uh, you are uh, going to be watching or witnessing uh, something that God has orchestrated, and I think you're going to see that more clear as the, as the day continues to unpack. So we want to welcome you and want to welcome all of you who are here. We are humbled and honored with your presence, and I uh, just want to say thank you. Thank you. I was listening to a, uh, a man by the name of Jim Collins this last week as I was going back and forth uh, from the church. Jim Collins is a uh, research analyst as well as a best-selling author. And uh, he was talking about some of the research that he has done on, and he's very, very well known in regards to business leadership models. And he told in his research how they studied the role that luck had to do with long-term success in businesses. And it was really interesting. His, he defined luck in, in, that, in those terms, very much the same way we would define God's grace. Very much the same. So I'm going to basically be looking at it that way, although that was the term that he was using in that. And how many times does luck come to a business? How many times does grace come in our lives? Uh, it, it's incredible. He points out in his studies over an extended period of decades in a business. He said that all companies get the same amount of luck, good or bad. It's not, the success is not based on luck. It's not, it does, luck does affect it, but it's not as we would think. Luck, really, the role that it plays in a business, as he was saying it, has to do with how the company and the leadership responded to that luck when it came. And I think that we can see that same kind of thing in regards to God's grace. You know what? God's grace is poured out on all of us. And sometimes it seems like, well, that guy gets more. That woman gets more grace than I get. No, it's not true. Over the period of time, everybody gets the equal amount of grace. Can you say praise God for that? The question is not, do we get it? The question is, what do we do with it when we get it? That's the difference in a business as in regards to his study of luck, but it's the same thing in regards to our grace that we receive from God. For example, God may whisper to you something that may be a conviction, or it may, he may whisper to you that you need to surrender your life to Christ, or whatever the case is, you get that whisper. It's a grace. That's a grace. And some people just kind of blow it off and they just, oh, well, I just got heartburn or something. I don't know what I got. You know, they blow it off. And what happens? They squander the grace God's given them. Make sense? Have you ever squandered God's grace? I think we have. I have. Not intentionally. But there's other people who have God speak to their life. Those, that gentle whisper that we've all heard at some point. We hear it. And we respond quickly. And those are the ones who find that their spiritual life grows 
exponentially when we respond to his grace. Can you say praise God for the grace you have responded to? Amen. Now, Connie and I are going to be talking today about some uh, very wonderful experiences in the church life, particularly uh, as well as what you experienced. And some people may say to uh, just listening, and they would say, well, you know, new life, just they just got extra grace. We didn't get that kind of grace. And the reality is they did receive it. They just didn't handle it the same way. They didn't respond to it the same way. And God has with us as a new life church and with in Connie and my life uh, helped us to be aware and respond to that grace when he would in fact speak to us. But the truth of the matter is, I really believe, I wish I would have known this principle, this way of God 40 years ago because we would be farther down the road than we are today. How about, does that make sense? In that light, we're going to be sharing and saying, how do we respond? Well, how did we respond to that? So I'm going to start, and we're going to have, our, have Connie start a little bit about how it happened about 34 years ago. In fact, about this time of the year. Uh, about 34 years ago, uh, Connie and I were at a picnic with some other pastors in the north-central part of Nebraska area. And do you remember that time? Yes, I do. Actually, it had started a few months even before that when we sensed a stirring in our hearts. We'd been in Ainsworth for three and a half years, and there was just kind of that feeling like, hmm, what's going on here? We, we were happy. The people were wonderful, but we just didn't understand the unrest. We, had, we went to this picnic. It was actually a farewell picnic for another pastor in the section, And we were sitting there that night just talking. They were all ministers and their families. And we were just talking about stuff. And someone said, did you know the pastor in Kearney resigned? And, of course, we were with a bunch of people. But I know that in me, just something came alive. And later, as we were driving home, Bob said the same thing. Something just jumped inside of him. And so after that, that event, we talked to each other about it, and um, he did a little more inquiry into what was going on in Kearney and found out that the pastor had resigned, but they already had somebody um, that they were looking at to be their pastor. Well, it just so happened that my sister was getting married out in California and that she had asked Bob to perform the ceremony And so we were actually headed to California as well. So all that stuff was part of this whole event. We only had one Sunday that we could come to Kearney, and um, we talked, Bob talked to the board. of. um, There's a couple board members still here that were on the board at that time, Roger being one of them. And um, and he... um, Anyway, they, they decided to have us come even before the, the other man that they had already been looking at. Um, it was just, it was such an interesting experience. It was, um, we had gone for a few days to the Black Hills. Bob had gotten bronchitis. In those days when a pastor came to um, try out, he did everything that he could do. He put all of his talents right out in front of the whole church. Like a little peacock, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So Bob sang with bronchitis. He preached with bronchitis. He didn't have much of a voice. And 
this will really get you. I played the piano for him to sing. I have no idea why, um, why this thing proceeded past that. But anyway, <laughs> in fact, I remember being so nervous. My fingers would hardly get down to the keys, but it, it was just uh, an incredible moment and a, uh, an awesome moment. It, an interesting little part of who Bob is that comes out even at that point, he said to the board and to whoever else was involved, he said, you know, I really do not feel that an election should take place between two men. Either you sense who God is, that God is saying, yes, this is your man, or he's, he is saying no. So in that many years ago, what a lot of times churches would do is they would take, they would pick like three men and they, it would basically be a contest, which one shone the brightest. And he said, I don't feel that's right. You either need to hear what God is saying to you for this moment or you don't hear. And so anyway, that night we went to our little motel room and the church voted and they voted us, voted us in as, um, the pastors at New Life Assembly. As Pastor Roger was mentioning, that that sermon that I... I thought maybe something went wrong. Oh. <laughs> Forgot. At least, at least we don't have funny-looking faces and, like, hair on your face or something. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> uh, that day... Uh, you mentioned, Pastor Roger, how I preached on the peace of God, that the peace of God rule your heart. And what I was saying there in that sermon was really about what had become of, uh, it for us at New Life, you're familiar with the whole concept of the spirit, soul, body, how we're listening to God's spirit to us. And it was just, a, uh, as Connie was saying, it was just an in- interesting thing because you see how something that we started then, it just continued to flow and become even more significant. People, uh, as we came back and actually started, uh, people were being saved. And I think, for example, of the Sailings and the Russells who uh, got saved at that time, there was just a breath of fresh spirit that came across the auditorium. The, our, our church family. It was just something incredibly beautiful. But those kind of moments are grace gifts from God. But I want to point out that grace does not always come in the nice times. Because it wasn't very, we hadn't been here very long uh, before there was a young, teen, uh, young girl, uh, elementary school girl, who was killed in... Uh, in an accident, a tragic accident, as she was trying to cross the highway, Highway 30. And it was just a disastrous thing. They were in our church. And it wasn't long until a teenager uh, just was in a car, driving a car, and they, uh, a train hit them, and several were killed. And it was kind of like, whoa. Here's the grace part. It's not that those things happen. It's how do we respond to those problems that happen. That's when he gives you special grace. Does that make sense? How do we respond? And some of the people in the church at that time, it was so fresh. Some of the people at that time, you know, they just pulled away. Other people said, no, he is God. He's sovereign. 
and it was a growing experience uh, for all of us. But at the same time, it was something that we realize grace comes in different forms. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But the bottom line is, can we accept and do we respond well with the grace that he does give us? Or do we just push it away because it's not comfortable? One of the points of grace that he gave us was actually coming to the point of outgrowing our our little church at 28th and H in the sanctuary and so we made the move then in 1981 to Central Elementary School. And that was an interesting time as well. It was an exciting time for the church, but it, it was difficult also because we bust the children back and forth. We use sugar and spice daycare for our nursery. Um, we, the building was cold. It was um, hot, in, cold in the winter, hot in the summer. Men had to set up sound every week. Um, it was not like the Merriman Center looks today. Believe me. That's for sure. It certain. was not. But you know what? It was still an absolutely exciting time. We did we did a full-length drama there. We did children's musicals there. But there was an excitement building in the congregation that was contagious and we even through those t- months there at the school, we continued to grow, and um, God was doing a a great work to bring us to the point where we began our first building program. You know that building program as we began to challenge the people, and you got to remember the church was about oh by that time it was probably about two hundred. It had grown and. I began to talk to the leadership about growing and building a church and what the trajectory looked like and uh, if, we, if this continued to, to happen. And so uh, I projected a picture for them that our, we would need to build a church that would seat maybe 1,000 people. 200? 1,000? Uh, it was sort of like, whoa. But you they know what? They just didn't quite get it, did they? They didn't get it. I mean, some of them. Some, some of them did not. But here's the thing. God's grace came upon the people in such a way that they bought into it. They said, if this looks like it's God, I want to be a part of it. Here's what's so profound. When it came time to raise the funds for that, normally in a fundraising experience for building a, a facility, the normal thing that the fundraisers that help a church do that, normally they'll say you get up to three times the annual uh, tithes and offerings that come into a church. Tithes, for those of you who are not familiar, tithes is, means 10%. That's literally what it means. It's 10% of your increase. So what they were saying, if you go into a building program, it's over a three-year period, you give an extra 10% over that time period. So you're talking about 20%, if you can think about it, 20% of your income you're giving just to those two things, the, the tithe as well as the building. When we came down to it, we knew that 10% probably wasn't going to be enough, but we're leaving it in God's hands. We, at that time when we received it, we had six times the annual tithe. You know what that means over a three-year period? That means people were giving 30% of their income every month. Think about that. Now, how would you respond? But here's the thing. That is grace. It wasn't just grace on the church. It was grace on the people 
who gave. How do you give that kind of percentage of your income? And what happened, it was the church just continued to grow. Uh, I, I had uh, a pastor, a local pastor here in town at that time come to me when he heard what we were doing and a thousand people, I guess, auditorium, well, you're crazy. He came and he really chided me. He says, Bob, he rebuked me. He did. He rebuked me. And he, he says, don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to make, you're going to make a fool of God, of the church. All the churches in town are going to be looking because you're, you've made such a fool of yourself. You know what? I could have said, yeah, you're right. But God spoken. And look where we are today. You see, it was interesting that in, as, as a time paid, uh, worked out, we had the church paid off within three, I think maybe it was even four years, something right in that time period, totally paid off. Was that grace? So what do we do with it? How do we manage that? Interestingly, within a month's time, we had our first missions convention. And we knew, and I talked, uh, E.M. Clark was our speaker at that time, and uh, we discussed it, and he said, well, you know, let's not try to set a goal for that. Let's just see what God's going to do. So that's exactly what we need to do. So when the missions pledges came in, the faith promises as we know them came in, they doubled their mission giving in that same amount of time. Does, Does that make sense? So you got... We got all this on the building from your ties. And then on top of that, there was the missions giving. And I'll tell you what, God has given us grace. And those who have given have received special grace. Do you want to receive that kind of special grace? How many want to receive that kind of special grace? You know, you have to step out of your box, your comfort zone to do that. Amen. God honors it, though. One of the things that was a little bit stepping out of your comfort zone, if you can, now some of you were here and you remember this, but we actually had to partition off down below under the balcony into classrooms because we, we had this vision of this sanctuary, but yet we didn't have enough ability to do enough classrooms. So there was classrooms in the corners down underneath the back on both sides, and then there was classrooms up above that were semi-partitioned off. Uh, Roger, I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember trying to teach in those rooms? Oh, my word. I was teaching up here in this corner, and I could hear the teacher from over here teaching. And it was like, and then not, you wouldn't always hear everything they were saying, but you would hear them laughing, and you'd go, then you'd lose your whole class. You're like, (laughs) oh, they were like, oh, that classroom sounds more interesting than our classroom. And anyway, it was a deal trying to do that. But again, it wasn't, it, I don't know how long it was, but it, it wasn't terribly long before first the partitions came down upstairs and then eventually the partitions came down downstairs. But that, that was one of the parts of progress of just having this vision of what God wanted to do here on this, on this hill. And you know, um, another part of that was the the beginnings of Sunshine World. And um, one of the things we thought 
<laughs> One of the things we thought of was that this was an incredible facility, and we, ha- we didn't really like to see it just sitting empty all week long. But there was a, a bigger reason that God saw beyond what we saw, and that was the outreach to the community. And um, those, were, um, those were big parts of why we even began it. And it, it was not the, always the easiest in the beginning. Um, there were was, there was some tough, tough, tough goings, but God also saw that we would touch and um, minister to many little lives, a foundation of, of that um, Jesus truly is and parents. the light. And um, I, we, see that, we see that happening still today, yeah. how it is an outreach. One of the things that was interesting in the very beginning, which you have to flip back just a few years from where we are at this moment, but Bob had in his heart that um, before he ever hired any um, pastoral staff, he wanted to have a good secretary. A good one. That was his, and I don't think, I, again, I don't think everybody always understood it because most churches, what they did, as soon as they began to grow, they would hire, let's say, a youth pastor or an associate, but not him. He was determined he was going to have a good secretary. So it wasn't really that many months after we were here that Johnny came on staff to be our actual first staff member. <laughs> And um, I have told her so many times, I, uh, she has made Bob look really good. <laughs> and it's not, you know, how I, I love this man. And I, I know he is good, but she did make him look good many times. Better than what I am. <laughs> now, one of the reasons that I felt that is because that I knew I could do a whole lot more and another pastor could do a whole lot more as long as they had somebody that was doing all the paperwork and making sure that was done. And so, and and done right. Done right. Absolutely done right. That's right. Right. But we, then we, uh, <laughs> then we uh, uh, started hiring other pastoral staff members. And, of course, Roger was one of those later on that we, we hired. But that was a struggle for me. You know, I had been on staff before. I, actually, for 10 years, I had served as a staff member in, in church ministry, occupational work. And so I thought I had a pretty good grip on it. I knew what it was like to be a staff member. And so I thought, no, I can, I can handle that. But I struggled with that. It's a whole different ballgame to be a staff member and to be the head pastor when you have to care for that and watch that and mentor that. And, uh, boy, that was, it was a struggle for me because sometimes I had higher expectations uh, of someone than what they were able to do. And finally, the Lord helped me, gave me enough grace that I was able to become a mentor to them. And I think today God has blessed me with a wonderful staff and, and a lot of them been here quite a few years. It's because that mentoring thing, and that is a gift of grace. So it's been a gift to the church. It's been a gift to me. It's been a gift to them. It's something that God has done in, in, a, in a wonderful and a marvelous way in that sense. So. And I would say, too, just like I commented about Johnny, that it isn't, uh, you know, this is not a one-man show. 
And so the staff is just huge to, um, to carry the heart and the, the longings and the desires of, of many of you. Because we, we, two people, one person, cannot touch everybody. And so right. it, it takes a, an, in, an incredible staff to do what God has called us to do. Um, another fun thing we did is we began to plan some what we would call big days. And even when we moved out here to the church, um, there, there was nothing out here. I don't, I don't know if any of the pictures will be up on the screen soon, but there was nothing. It was just the church. And, but around the church what were a, was a lot of prairie grass. And so one summer, we just mowed a huge swath through the prairie grass, and we um, had a kid's day. And one of the pictures is going to show um, Scott Murrish on the back of a donkey, he, that's him, yep, and he was the wounded, um, he was the wounded man in the Samaritan story, and then Dean King was the good Samaritan, and so, but we also began to do the singing tree, we did, um, we had healing conferences, we did Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, we did the Easter productions of the uh, Whip Hammer and the Cross along with Living Lord's Supper. We had many just events that were big days to draw people. Now, you know, that can, that can be confusing sometimes. But you know what was so amazing is we still see the, the fruit of those um, right. productions and those big days in the lives of people that are sitting out in the audience. And God brought people in and um, their lives were regenerated and changed and saved because of those events. Yes, it took a lot of work, a lot of energy, sometimes some blood, sweat, and tears, but it, it paid off in the eternal um, change in the lives of people. How many of you uh, were somehow affected to come here because of an event that would be, we, we refer to as a big day? I know that some of you got saved at some of those. If you did, would you raise your hand? How many of you came as a result of that, effects of that? Yeah. At the, yeah, in the balcony there. It's, it's interesting to see how a person would come to the event, and then they wouldn't, you wouldn't see him, and then they would come back and say, you know what? I gave my life to Christ at Heaven's Gate or whatever it is. And it was, a, it was something that happened. The same kind of thing with our Christmas tree. It would, people would come back later and say, you know what? There was something special about that. I don't know what it was, but I just felt I needed to come back. And God's grace was just upon it and souls were saved. We then obviously uh, continued to grow and, and needed more space. We went through two more building programs in 91 and then again in 98. And you know, building programs are not as only about building m- brick and mortar or all the rest of the stuff. What happens, and I've watched this over and over again, when you go through a building program, it really builds people more than it builds the building. I I cannot explain it. I don't understand all of it. All I know is that I saw people grow spiritually. They engage. They become involved in it. And not only do the people grow, but we also see growth in the youth, in the children, which is primarily what we were building because we'd already built the sanctuary. And we built the gym. For, that was 
one of the first stages, and it was classroom space, etc., and then the youth, etc., as, as it's happened. But it has been a step because we took steps of faith. God honored that and gave extra grace for those kind of times. But how do you, how do you deal with the grace when it comes if you don't take a step of faith? It kind of just is squandered. Does that make sense? We'll squander it over and over if we're not careful. Then we started the small group ministry. Um, I have always loved the small group. I before, well, back in the early 70s when I was a youth pastor, I loved doing small groups with youth, uh, with a, with the youth group. Came here, started them. I remember one time we had a, a meeting in the morning at 6.30 or 6 o'clock or something like that in the morning. <laughs> Roger came and he was, he's not a morning person. <laughs> and he had, he had his jacket on and he was snap, you know, how do you get the snaps? In, <laughs> <laughs> and he had his Pepsi. <laughs> As we moved forward and we had, and we decided, you know what, Wednesday nights, we had, uh, we would all meet here at the church for Wednesday night. But I just really felt this has got to go farther than where we were at. And so I talked to the board about it. And, and the board, yeah, okay, I think. And some of the board members were saying, they took me aside afterwards and said, mm, I'm not sure about this thing about small groups. You know, I don't know about that. You know what, today, uh, Rogers t- tells us now that we have sometimes 70% of our adult worship service attendance in, and adult worship in our small group. People have grown because of small groups. There's been great fruitfulness because of small groups. And at the same time, uh, I also would begin teaching. I, and, you know, I, I'm not a good preacher, but I can teach. And I, I preached through the, the New Testament, every book in the Bible, of the New, or new, every book of the New Testament, just teaching through every one of them so that there's a, a, everybody got a grip of what, what that was all about. Taught about the spirit, soul, and body, as I mentioned earlier, more in depth. There's so much more to it than what... Uh, that you, you get just on a regular Sunday morning. And, more, and we also talked about the kingdom of God, believe it or not, years ago. But again, we brought it back just more recently last fall in regards to how important that is in our life. And you know what? God has used, in spite of me, he's used the things he gave me to share with you. And I am grateful for what he has shaped in, in your life because of those teachings. I had a vision for, uh, God put it in my heart, a vision for a thousand disciples. And very honestly, I was afraid to even say it. And one time it slipped out. And then somebody said, a thousand disciples? And that thing caught like, it, it, it got, it just like a, a wildfire. It just kind of got going. I, okay, God, I guess it must be you. <laughs> but God has, has worked there has been so many disciples. We have people in the, uh, that were, have been in the church in the past who are now in occupational ministry, in, in church, in serving as a lay people in ministry, leading discipleship ministries. It's been just something phenomenal in my, in, uh, in my perspective. And I, many have said, I, I believe we have more than a thousand disciples now. That, but I have also a vision for a thousand disciples actively incarnate out of new life. I'm looking forward to that day when we have a thousand disciples even here, not just in the broader sense, 
But I find it very, very interesting that God has called me now now to go and make disciples of the whole state and pastors who will disciple others. Uh, that just kind of like, whoa, that, that is just, God, that, that is just incredible. And you know what? I didn't realize it at the time, but since I accepted the position, he finally says, you know, here's part of it. Oh, that's what it's about. You know, sometimes we can, when you sit in these moments, you, you make it sound like everything is always just so um, peachy keen. Because you talk about all the good that happens, and and that's what you want to focus on is the good. I'm I'm thankful as I look across and I look into some of some of you I can see your eyes, some of you I can't. You're just, you're kind of dark, but I'm thankful for for every single every droplet of grace that God yes, has given yes, us. Yes. But in the midst of it, there's, there's also some difficult things that happen. And I can remember um, when we alluded earlier, talked a moment about staff, I can remember one time thinking, you know what, God, I think I would just like to go back to a little church somewhere where nobody, it's just you and us, nobody else, because this is too painful. This is too hard. It's, it's not, it's not the way it's supposed to be. I know that. And so I just want to go back to the way it was. And God just kind of gently nudges you out of your little pity party. And he says, no, he says, I have something that I want you to do. I can remember during some of those building programs, I did not see Bob. I mean, I didn't hardly see him at all. I felt like I was running a restaurant in a motel. And then I remember, I remember at night, um, I would be, it would be really late and, um, I would hear a siren and I think, oh no, but I, I didn't see him much. And it, it's kind of funny now. I look back on it and I think some of you asked how I got started into rubber stamping and scrapbooking. That's probably how I got started into rubber stamping and scrapbooking. I needed something to fill my quiet hours. And um, so good things come out of, um, can, can come out of difficulties. And people got saved because of it. Yeah, that's true. I can see one sitting right up there. Um, but, you know, um, in the, um, we went through a time in the 90s where we had some very ugly accusations placed against the church. It was a very difficult time. Um, I remember God's strength just totally enveloping us as a church. And as Bob talked about how a building program pulls people together, even those difficult days pulled us together as a congregation. Um, People rallied together. People hung on to each other. People believed in each other. It was actually, even though the enemy meant it for bad, God meant it for good. That's great. And he, he brought good out of, this, out of the circumstances. I also remember not that long ago when Pastor Troy came for just a short period of time. And he was with us not very long. And we fell in love with him. And God took him home. It was, it was difficult. It, it was confusing. It was like, God, what, what are you doing? This isn't. This isn't according to our plan. 
And yet God had other ideas. And he, again, helped us as a church to um, cling to each other and to hold on to each other. So instead of just painting it as being um, uh, this perfect, perfect rose with dew drops on it, no, there was some difficult moments too. But those difficult moments really pulled us together instead of dividing us in any way. And I believe it caused our roots to go deeper and stronger, and we were able to withstand some of the the winds that came because of how God moved us along. I, uh, as we mentioned earlier, we were up in Ainsworth before we came down here, and one of the guys uh, up there uh, worked in the farming. And, uh, That's pretty much all they did. Well, yeah. <laughs> Ranching, too, but anyway, um, he said to me, he says, one time, he says, Pastor, you know, uh, we put irrigation to the corn and make it grow and this kind of thing, and he said, I don't know if this means anything to you or not, but he said, I found this thought that God had given him, and he says, when you when we plant in the uh, spring, the ground water level is kind of high in there, so you don't have to put a whole lot of water to it, but as that water level dro- uh, drops... The corn just had all this water surface they could get uh, at the top. Soon it began to dry, and the, the corn just began to shrivel up. It wasn't. And he says, so what we would do, he says, we would wait until the corn was starting to curl in, and then we'd pour the water to it. And then we'd let it, and it would all park, open up again, and it was just all great. He said, and then we'd wait until it just started withering again, and we throw pour the water to it. Point being this, he said, when you pour the water to it, it's great, but it's when it's dry, it's down there reaching for more. That's how grace is in our life. We think that's not, pain is, is not good for us, oh, isn't it? If it causes your roots to grow and to realize who God is, folks, that's grace. Amen? That's grace. That's grace. That's what these painful times, and you think about in your own life. Oh, this is pain. God can't be in this. Look what the devil's doing. So hold on, hold on. If you'll look, God's grace is there with you, and don't squander that. Don't squander that. I want to also mention about the reveal survey that we've taken a couple times. Um, it's, it's, it's hard for me to comprehend how you can measure spiritual life. But these guys, these, they were Fortune 500 guys who designed it. They're able to find out and get into the inner being of a person. And they were able to identify when a person was really growing spiritually. We took the test first. We took it again. And we then were able to see more clearly how the individuals, you as a body, had took great strides as we explained to you as you saw what was going on, okay, I thought I was this, and I just, I'm really back here. I need to get with it, and here's what I need to do, and you, you, we explained what to do. And all of a sudden, people started growing. And then when we took the test again, we just didn't say they grew. We could see they had grown. That was a huge step for our church because it was something that helped people become more related to God, 
It was, they were more motivated. Many of you have learned how, as we've talked in different sermons, in, in fact, how to, to reflect in scripture, because that is such a growing thing. That all came out of being modeled in the reveal survey uh, thing and how they helped us that way. And I also want to mention in the last building program that we had just, just last year, expanding again for the youth and for our children. It was the largest budgeted uh, building program that we'd ever experienced. And when I took it to the body, presented it to the body, I've never had this happen before, but it was an absolute unanimous, instant unanimous vote. Go. And I remember, whoa, what just happened? God, that's grace. And we started and we wanted to get it started earlier in the spring so it would get done, so we're getting closed by the wintertime. And you know what? We didn't get started until, what was it, June or something like, June, July, something like, we didn't get it going. Now, and they thought, oh man, it's going to cost more money now. It's already, we're very high. You know what? They got done about three months ahead of schedule. God left that so that they could work all that. Is God's grace there? When you step out of the boat and you take those steps, he gives that special grace and he makes things happen that you and I can't make happen at all. And again, all of the building programs that we've gone through, they have been paid off in record time. Why? Because of God's... It's not because we have a lot of wealthy people. In fact, if you go back into our history, when I talked to when we gave six times... We didn't have a lot of wealthy people. In fact, most of us were blue-collar or less kind of thing, okay? How could that happen? It happens when you have God's... But what do you do with it? Do you say, okay, God, I believe you've spoken to me, you've whispered, and I'm going to respond to that. God has been with us. And I think also just of, as many of you are very familiar with now, this last transition... I don't know how anybody could look at it and see God's grace not being present. It has been so very present in our life. And in that sense of the word, folks, I see God's grace that he comes to the church, but I also see it in your lives. Please understand when I say this. If you're not careful, when God whispers to you, it is a moment of opportunity, and if you don't respond, you are squandering a gift of grace. And as I look at my life, there's times when I've squandered it, and I regret that. But I've also learned, and especially more recently, when that grace comes, whatever form it comes in, whether if it's in a painful thing, Listen, God is only going to allow those things if there's something good that's going to come from it because God is our protector. And so we can say, God, this is painful. I don't understand it, but I know you're going to give special grace. And he does. And I just want to encourage you. Some of you are going through various issues in life. Some of you have just experienced the death of a spouse or some of you just physical illness financial stress. God, what's going on? I can't understand this. My friends are leaving. I don't, you know what? 
Don't bemoan it. Don't have a pity party, as Connie was referring earlier. Don't have a pity party. Instead, look at it and say, God, I know you're going to give me special grace. This pain is only a wake-up call for me to be watching for your grace. Amen? I urge you, I beg of you, don't waste God's grace. Don't squander God's grace. You're not, you're not, not going to do something good for me just because you're not squandering it. You're doing it for who? God and yourself. It's for your benefit. That's what, as we talked about the businesses, that's when they succeeded, when they leveraged that grace, their luck, they call it. But it's the same thing as grace when it was defined by Jim Collins. And I know that God wants to give you more grace and he's going to be giving you more grace in the days ahead. Don't squander it. Amen. Let's let's uh, uh, stand. And I'm going to ask you to uh, we're going to worship the Lord in song. We're going to worship this God who gives us grace. And as we do, I want you to remember, Okay, I've gotten grace. What am I doing with this grace? What have I done with the grace he's given me? Have I squandered it? And as you worship, say, God, thank you for that grace. And by your grace, I will not squander it anymore. I'll not let it slip through my fingers again. When you whisper, I'm going to be there. I just urge you, ponder those things. Because this is what God wants to say to all of us. Use the grace.